In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Hey guys, in recent days, the phrase, my body, my choice has come uh, under fire. It's become popular in the vaccine versus non-vaccine. But what about when it comes to pro-life or pro-choice? We have the rare opportunity today to have Victoria Robinson on our podcast, one of the few women we've ever had on the show. And man, she is on fire. We have an amazing interview with her. It's, it goes longer than normal because this topic of when does life begin, uh, how do we determine scientifically when life begins? How do we determine biblically when life begins? How do we help men and women who are struggling post-abortion to find freedom? Guys, this, this is an off-the-hook interview. You are going to love it. Hang on. You'll be laughing. You'll be crying. You'll be thinking. It's going to be a great episode. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I am Jim Ramos, your host of Spotify's number one podcast for Christian men, and your guide to helping you become the best version of yourself inside that stress bubble of life and beyond. So guys, we're excited to have you on the show today. Hey, this week's hero story is from Gage Roberts. Gage emailed us and said this. He said, hey, society's becoming soft and weak-minded. Tell me something I don't know, Gage. He goes, that's why I love the Men in the Arena podcast and what strong men are supposed to be like and the roles that they're supposed to keep. So thank you and keep up the great work. Hey, Gage, thanks so much. And guys, keep hitting us up with your hero stories. When we do, we'll send you some swag. Just got to email us at info at meninarena.org. Send us your physical address. Guys, hey, stay tuned this week to the end of the podcast. We're going to introduce to you an exciting and funny man law. So you're going to love this man law. Hey, guys, thanks for making this podcast, the number one podcast on Spotify for Christian men. I'm super excited to guys to bring today uh, a woman on our show, like out of our almost 600 episodes. She's like the third woman. I think my mom came on once too. And so I'm really excited to have Victoria Robinson on. Found out she's a fellow Italian, which makes it like another bonus. Victoria is a pro-life leader and national speaker for nearly three decades. She's the author of They Lied to Us and 
They Lied to Us Too, which is our subject of today's podcast. Her books tell the stories of women who've had abortions, men who have participated, and how their choice negatively changed their lives. She's the founder of Reassemble, a ministry to both men and women to help them deal with the abortion trauma. I'm super excited to have Victoria on today. I'm so passionate about this topic, Victoria. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jim, for having me. One of three in 600 episodes. Yeah. Well, so we're met, we, we interview met people who are experts in manhood. Uh-huh. So it's not like we're opposed to women. We, we think they're pretty <laughs> awesome, but, but we, uh, we focus, we had a woman on Michelle Canfield Watson and she uh, is the dad whisperer. So she talks to men about how to talk to their daughters. It was phenomenal. So when uh-huh. we have women that are experts with men, I take that back Dale. I think we've only had two women on the podcast. Then I feel even more special, Jim. That was I, the only point that I was trying to make. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I don't know, but oh, my wife's been on the show too. So I guess that does make three. So, so we're super excited. Yeah. She came on and we talked about our, our baggage and I talked, we talked about how my biggest problem in the marriage was not framing her well. And I cried and asked for forgiveness. It was pretty good. So it was a, it was a Dale's favorite one. So uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing. So, Hey, I want to quote your book. I want to dive. Well, I want to dive into your book and I want to dive into your story because those really lay the foundation for the rest of this interview. So you wrote this on page 19 in your book. They lied to us too. I couldn't live in denial any longer. I had a responsibility to not only continue speaking out on the damaging effects abortion has on women, but on men as well. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So tell us about your story as you laid it out in the book. Well, the reason that I said that, Jim, and it's true to this day, it'll be true till the day I die, is that for about a decade after I had an abortion, my boyfriend and I, when we chose abortion, he pressured me into doing it, which is a lot of times what happens. And that's why I try to tell men, if you'll just stand up and Mm -hmm. be the man God created you to be, these women wouldn't be walking in abortion clinics. Yes. So he pressured me. So what happened after we chose abortion, I was already a single mother of two children at that time. They weren't his children, but he wanted us to wait and have our own children later. So I knew the outcome of a pregnancy, but was convinced by the abortion center uh, that there was nothing there but a blob of tissue. So when I told him that he held on to that and he also mm. reiterated what they were telling me, which was, you know, Vic, you're only so you're so early. There's nothing there like that woman told you. Let's get it taken care of right away. We're not ready to have a baby. So we chose abortion. Now, I put all the blame on him for over a decade. And I grew to hate him. Our relationship deteriorated after the abortion. I never looked at him the same. He never looked at me the same. He was supposed to protect me. You know, I knew that, Jim, just inherently that my boyfriend, the man that says he loves me, is supposed to protect Mm -hmm. me. Yet I drove myself to an abortion clinic on a Saturday morning because he couldn't take me. So that started messing with my head a lot. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you that now what knowing what i know now he never looked at me the same either because mm. our whole relationship changed he didn't respect me as much i think he was even if he didn't realize it asking himself i she really did it i, I can't believe she actually went through with it because I, I was a pretty strong woman even then mm. um but i grew to hate him and put all the blame on him because of my my choice because of our choice it has been 35, 36 years since I chose abortion. Wow. It was 10 years before I got help. So we're talking about 26, 27 years ago when I 
attended abortion recovery for the trauma I was experiencing after I came out of that weekend, I called him um, not very long later because my book was about to come out. Uh And I thought, I'm going to tell him, even though there are no identifying factors in my first book, they lied to us about him. I just felt this sense of obligation that he should know it was coming out because we, we knew still Jim, a lot of the same people. Oh, wow. So when I called him, After 10 years of not seeing him or speaking to him from our breakup, post-breakup, all I said was, hey, it's me. And he just started crying. He was crying so hard, Jim, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And when he finally composed himself, now I'm sitting there on on the other line, shocked, wondering, what is he crying about? Because up until this point, even though I thought I'd forgiven him, I thought I had accepted full responsibility. There was a part of me in that moment that realized I had not Mm. and that I held still hatred and unforgiveness towards him. So here was this man broken, truly broken on the phone. And when he finally could talk, he said, Vic, I've been waiting for this call over 10 years to beg you for forgiveness for what I made you do. It's haunted me all these years. I've been in therapy for eight years dealing with it. I should have protected you and our baby and I failed you both. Can you ever forgive me? Mm. So it was in that moment that I realized, Vic, you haven't fully forgiven him. And I knew I needed to. I knew and it was easy. It was really easy to do. The second thing that I realized was, oh, my gosh, men are hurting, too, because I Mm. felt like the Lord spoke to my heart at that moment and said, don't forget these men, these These children had fathers and these fathers are hurting too. So from that moment on, I have never been at a platform or spoken at an event, whether it's a church, a conference, it doesn't matter where I don't talk about the men. Now, I can tell you when I first started doing that, people would say, why are you even bringing them up? They don't care. They've gone on with their life. It hasn't affected them in any way. It wasn't their body. I'm like, you're so mistaken. God created women to give life and to nurture. Mm. So when women realize they ended the life of their child, their own hands at their own. And I'm talking about girls, young women who've been dragged into abortion clinics and held down because that's happened as well. But I'm talking about women who willingly walk into an abortion clinic. Mm -hmm. They have to realize that it isn't just the woman, the man, whether he paid for it, whether he drove her, talked her into it, or didn't even know she was pregnant. Once he realizes that he participated in the death of his own child. He's devastated because women, as I said, were made to nurture Jim. Mm -hmm. Men were made to protect. Yep. Yep. Well, so, you know, speaking of your ex-boyfriend, you dedicated your book. They lied to us too, to him. In fact, you wrote, I dedicate this book to the father of my aborted child. I acknowledge you. We loved our baby too late. And each paid the price for the choice we made. But thank you for showing me that healing always begins with forgiveness. And then you continued and you wrote something really poetic. And I'll be honest with you, I got a little, it got a little hay fever when I was reading this part. Because this really was, was really cool to have you write this to the men that you minister to. You said this, to the fathers who were never given a voice. To the fathers who were never given a choice. To the fathers who did not know. To the fathers who live with regret to the fathers who live with shame, to the fathers who've been silenced on the abortion issue, to the fathers who could not stop her, to the father who left, to the fathers who ran from responsibility. These fathers deserve healing, hope, and redemption. I just thought 
That was so beautiful. You know, this book is for the millions of those men. What a unique ministry you have to the men who suffered from an abortion experience. You call these guys the forgotten fathers. So that leads me to this question. Your first book was called They Lied to Us. Your second book, the one we're talking about today, They Lied to Us Too. Who is they? It's the father. It's the father of these aborted children. I mean, there have been 70 plus million abortions, Jim, since Roe v. Wade. Yep. That's 140 million. I, I, I believe the number's higher, but let's just go for the sake of argument. Yep. That's 140 million men and women who have had an abortion or participated in an, in an abortion. And let's take 10% of them, which Trust me, in my work, I know it's much, much higher. Yep, Although yep. the abortion industry wants to convince everyone, oh, it's nothing more than having a tooth pulled, which is bull crap. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they get over it and forget about it. It's all bull. I am telling you, these men are hurting. And we've emasculated men in, in this country to the point where they stand in the corner, Jim, keeping their mouth shut, twiddling their thumbs because they don't know what to do. And I'm saying to men, that feeling you're feeling inside of where you want to fight, where you want to protect, own up to it. Yep. Some of you need to grow a pair if we're allowed to say that on a men's show. Oh, oh, sister, you just bring the heat. That's exactly what. Okay, we good say. because I mean, come <laughs> on, guys, you need to grow a pair. And I'm, I'm saying that's why men. I see men who are that are so emasculated. They are not walking in the fullness of Christ because they aren't walking in their full potential. Mm -hmm. So they've bought into the lie that it's her body, her choice. Well, yeah. sir, I'm going to tell you this. It's not her body. There are two bodies, at least, unless she's pregnant with multiples, there are at least two bodies representing hers and that unborn child who's a separate human being. Science mm -hmm. has proven, Jim, at the moment of conception. We are unique human beings with our own DNA. That's not the Christian thing. I mean, put the Christianity aside. As Christians, you and I know, yes, life begins at conception. But science has now proven to those naysayers, mm -hmm. when does life begin? It begins at conception if you want to get scientific. We have our own unique DNA. So what we've got to do is start educating the public, start making sure that men, I, that's why I love what you're doing, Jim. You're empowering men to be the men God created them to be. You're not totally. trying to get them to be anything that they're not supposed to be. You're just trying to get them to walk in the fullness of what they're supposed to be. And if they would do that, Jim, less women would walk into abortion clinics. If a man would stand up and accept responsibility if he, if he gets a woman pregnant, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm going to protect you and our child, whether they get married or not. Which, by the way, sir, if she's not your wife, you shouldn't be sleeping with her anyway. Hello. But let's just say she's pregnant. Then do the right thing, sir. Yep. Stand up. Because if a woman hears, I have support from you. If my boyfriend had said, we will do whatever it takes. Jim, the afternoon after I chose abortion, after driving myself to an abortion clinic and going through that experience alone, mm. he called me that afternoon. This is before cell phones. And he said, you know what? I've thought about it. Let's not do it. Oh. We, can do we can do this. We can do this. I love you. You love me. And I said, it's too late. And I hung up the phone. Oh, that's heavy stuff. Just a few hours and my child's life would have been saved. Now, granted, there are those who say, well, you're the one who did it. You're right. No one put a gun to my head. Mm -hmm. I walked into an abortion clinic 
one woman, I walked out a different woman. I bought into the lies from the abortion industry that there was nothing there. I bought into the lies that I would be okay. I bought into the lie that if, if our government has allowed it to be legal, do you think it can harm you in any way? Mm. That's what she told me. Wow. Lie after lie after lie, which is why my books are called They Lied to Us. So when you say they, it's not the fathers that have lied to us. It's it's society has lied to us. It's society that's lied to us. Now, yes, yeah. there are men who are, are habitual whores, basically, yeah. um, that are, are sleeping around. And then and there are those men who are in the sex industry, because I've had those clients come through that are they know the truth, but they're manipulating yeah. and lying to these young women. So, yes, there are those. But they're they're the exception. I, I get tired of hearing that. Oh, men know that. No, they don't. Men don't. They believe what we tell them. They believe what society tells them. And when they're told, sit down and shut up, you have no say in anything she does. They believe it. Well, this this book here, Strong Men, Dangerous Times, that book directly addresses what you're talking about. You're on the podcast because of a quote in your book. And the quote said, we have emasculated men in this country to the point that they don't know where they belong, what they want from them, or what they're allowed to say and not to say. So instead, the majority of men say nothing. And so we're telling men, you have a voice. God has given you a mantle, a burden, a platform, a, a, a people group to protect, and it is time for you to stand up. In fact, you're going to love this. I'm doing a message this Wednesday. We'll put this on down the road, guys, as a bonus feature for our podcast. I'm doing a message because I think the number one ruiner of marriages uh, is this topic. And the topic of my message next week is helping men deal with PMS. <laughs> Passive male syndrome. Passive I male syndrome. It. So we're trying to, we want guys to say, hey, men, it is time for you. You have a voice. No, we don't want you to dominate your wife. No, we don't want right. you to lord it over her to be this authoritative figure. But God has given you a role and he's given you a voice just as he's given your wife a role and a voice. And so you guys need to work this thing out. And so I really do appreciate that. Um, I have a couple of questions because I've I've been a, a massive pro-life person all my life. Uh, I'm a political unaffiliated guy, but but my wife and I, we vote. She'll say, if you ask us, how do you vote? We go pro-life instantly. So, so if that puts me in a certain camp, I'll definitely bear that cross with honor. So my question is, and I'm out of the loop a little bit, it used to be uh, maybe a decade ago that there are 1.5 million babies murdered in the womb a year. Has that number increased or decreased? Uh, there's over 3,000 babies a day in this country, do the math, that are being murdered in this country. And people think because Roe was overturned, that number is going to diminish there are girls getting the abortion pill through mail. Mm -hmm. They're ordering it from Mexico and having it sent to them. Um, I heard recently a, a, a report that Mexico is not just sending them the abortion pill. They're sending them a, a form of acid for them to place on the body of the child when they deliver it and flush it down the toilet. So that means even this acid, this chemical, which is not mandated legal in this country, is going into our water systems. Mm. There are so many things over the next few years, Jim, that I foresee, because this is the work that I'm involved in, 
Even the abortion industry knows it's going to happen, but they're a multi-billion dollar industry. So it's bad for their business if they tell the truth. Not only the fact that they're doing these things, but if they told the truth about what an abortion does to a man or a woman. Men that I interviewed for my book, including women I interviewed for my first book, including people that go through my reassemble retreats, Hmm. they sit there time and time again, Jim, and tell me, I thought I was crazy. Every time I looked up, is this why I'm being affected? Is this why I smother my children? And this is men and women. Yeah, is yeah. this why I can't commit? Is this why I'm promiscuous because I just want to feel something? Is this why I'm afraid to get too close to my living children because I'm terrified God will take one of them and I couldn't handle it because of what I did? They go through all these scenarios in their mind because when they Google, am I depressed because of having an abortion? No, there is no correlation. Lie after lie after lie because we have a multi-billion dollar abortion industry. On top of that, we have politicians in Washington and throughout this country who are getting paid under the table by this abortion industry to keep their agenda and propaganda alive. And I'll tell you, they talk about how they love, they care about women's health and women's rights. It's all bull. I wish I could say the other word. I won't. It's all bull crap, Jim. It's bull crap. I'll give you a perfect scenario about that. Uh, I've had many, many girls already contacting me that took the abortion pill. And several of them have contacted me because they called the abortion clinic that gave them the pill. Mm -hmm. Now, understand Abortion pills dangerous as it is. But if you're over 10 weeks pregnant, Jim, it's even more risk. There's a wow. lot more risk involved. These girls are calling abortion clinics. Hey, I need the abortion pill. Well, how far along are you? How far along do I need to be? You must be 10 weeks or less. Oh, I'm like eight weeks. No doctor appointment, no ultrasound, nothing to confirm. You know what their next question is? Oh, that works. What's your um, credit card number? They send these girls the abortion pill to give them. They take three pills different times when with their instructions. Many of these young women have called me because the boyfriend changed his mind because they decided not to do it. They took one pill and then they realized what they were doing. Whatever the case, they'll call back to that abortion clinic. I changed my mind. I, we we want to save our baby. What can we do? It's too late for you. You need to take the rest of the pills. Your child's already dead or it will be born to form mentally. Hand- they go on and on. If they cared so much about these people, mm. why not say, get in touch with abortionpillreversal.com. They can maybe help you. They've saved almost 5,000 babies. Wow. You can't save them all, but they have. Why not tell them they've already been paid. They've already collected their credit card number. What does it hurt them? Why? Because they don't care. They don't care about people. They care about their bottom line, which is money and greed. Yeah. Well, I would love to see a a civil lawsuit take place. I would head it up of the millions of people who have been traumatized or affected by abortion in their past who were lied to Mm -hmm. and bring a civil lawsuit against the abortion industry. Yep. It is big dollars. Well, you know, it's interesting when you look at this holocaust we've been dealing with since Roe versus Wade. And the mil- million, 70 plus million babies who've been murdered. You can see that the hand of God in this, though. There's a, it's really interesting when I look at the abortion rate and the adoption rate. Can you, can you walk us through that and how God's hand is in this, this teen mom who got pregnant? 
You t- you, what God can do for her? Well, no, I'm just talking about parents who want to have an adoption, want an adoption oh my gosh. Yes, versus I, the I, ones I, who get an abortion. Let, let me tell you something. People, that's the other thing the abortion industry has, and even Hollywood, have painted this picture of if you put your child for adoption, and let's, let's be honest, they're all in bed together. Yeah. It's just facts. Hollywood, government, they're all in bed together. The abortion industry, abortion covers up rape, abortion covers up crimes. They're all in bed together. I don't know how come people don't take off their blinders and understand it's right there in black and white. It's so simple if you just follow it. So we've got a, an industry and a, and an entertainment industry who are pushing the narrative that adoption, you don't want your child adoption. They're going to abuse them. They're going to go through this or go through that. I mean, my gosh, I could tell you hundreds and thousands of stories of those children who've been adopted, who are so thankful to be alive. You know what, Jim? I don't, I've not ever met somebody who looked at me that even had a bad childhood, whether they were put placed for adoption or grew up in their biological parents' home that said, I wish they'd have killed me. Mm. I wish I was dead. I had a case. Um, this is a great story. And, uh, they were good friends of my daughters. My daughter and son-in-law, they're all very close. So I met at their house um, when they would have cookouts. We have a lot of family cookouts and there's Barry and Amber. So Amber knows the work that I'm involved in. And she'd walk up to me every time and say, hey, Victoria, God's told Barry and I, you're the one who's going to bring us our child. The next child we, we want to adopt our mm-hmm. second. They already had a biological son. And I would be like, I don't do adoptions. I save children from abortion. If I can, I help their parents teach them why they shouldn't choose or if they've already chosen how they can get help. I don't, I've only done one adoption in my 20 plus 20 year plus career. Nope. I'm telling you, Victoria, you're the one. Well, I got a call or a a message from a girl on Facebook. I have this love hate relationship with social media. I stay on it for reasons like this. Yep. She wrote me and had seen me on television. She said, I'm pregnant. I was raped. I am five months pregnant and I need an abortion. I live in the Georgia in, she lived in Georgia. And she said, can you help me find out where I can go to get an abortion? I said, what's your number? She goes, you're going to call me. Yeah. Give me your number. So I call her for a month, for about a month. We're going back and forth, back and forth on should, you know, she's telling me, I still don't know. I just don't know if I can do this. I already have two little boys. And so finally, at the end of the time we were together, she says to me, okay, I'm going to keep this baby on one condition. You have to find the couple to adopt Mm. this baby. Right then, for two years, I've been getting this from Barry and Amber, from from Amber, telling me, I'm telling, to the point, Jim, where I would say to my daughter, Taryn. Karen, you've got to tell your friend, Amber, I don't do adoptions. She's making me uncomfortable. And she'd be like, mom, just humor her. So every time for two years, every time I ran into her telling you, Vic, the Lord showed me in my heart. You're the one who's going to bring us our baby. Wow. So I said to this girl, I wasn't, I didn't tell her who they were nothing. I just said, Hey, I think I have a couple. Let me call them. But you promised me you won't go through with it. I said, because I will find a family that will take your baby. And she said, okay, I did find out last week it's a boy. Wow. And he will, he will be mixed because the guy who raped her was, was African-American and she's white. So I call them up and I she answers the phone. Second ring. And she's crying. 
She says, you have our baby, don't you? You have our baby, don't you, Vic? And I'm like, what the? And I said, what? And she said, just tell me, do you have our baby? I said, why are you asking me that? She said, because on Tuesday I was praying and I was asking the Lord, are we going to have another child? When is, when are we going to have a child? And I felt in my time with him, he said, get ready. Your son is on the way. And she said, it's a boy, isn't it? And I went, oh my gosh. She said, I thought I was pregnant because they hadn't done anything to prevent pregnancy. She said, I took so many pregnancy tests since Tuesday. And I said, I know God spoke to my heart, Barry. I know he did. And he, she goes, so we're, we're probably going to get pregnant this month. And so she gets Barry on the phone. I'm talking to both of them. And I tell them this young woman's story. And they said, when can we meet her? This little wow. boy is now four years old. He's the most incredible little boy. So there are beautiful adoption stories. And this little boy has an incredible life ahead of him. They've since had another little boy. So now they have three boys. Um, and that's the stories people need to hear. This young woman who chose life, she said to me, the greatest gift God gave me was to give birth to this little boy and give him a wonderful life wow. rather than live with the fact that I would have killed him. Well, and that's what they won't tell you is that the, this is what I was trying to get to, that the abortions every year happen to equal the same amount of couples looking to adopt every year. So you see God, the redemptive quality of God in this thing. So so I got to confess something here. I hope you don't think I'm a pro-choicer, but, but during the pandemic, my wife and I had a mantra. We said, hey, it's my body, my choice. You've been saying it to me for 30 years. So now when we don't want to get the vaccine, we're going to say it's my body, my choice. So that was something we started saying. And we kind of laughed about it because we're like, you know, when it comes to the vaccine, yes. But but there's a massive lie in that statement for a man and a woman who are pregnant and didn't plan on it and who are considering abortion. What is the lie in the statement? And we hear this all the time, Victoria, my body, my choice. It's pretty simple. It's not your body. In a pregnancy, it's not your body. Mm. That's that's the simple answer. You want to give me a vaccination, this is my body. So I have the choice not to take it. But you don't have a choice when there's two people involved. Yeah. That that's really good. Hey, so so Victoria, so I want to I want to lay out this foundation here. So you said science proves that life begins in conception. And I believe that the Bible proves it. So I know that you're an expert on this. So can I want to play a little quiz here. I'm going to okay. have you give me one scientific reason why life begins at conception. And I'm going to give you one biblical reason why. And let's let's see how far we can get down this chain. And I'm okay. kind of, I've got a little bit written down, but I'm kind of mostly going off memory. Okay. Let's do All it. Right. I'll let you go first. You're the guest. Okay, so can I read something to you? Absolutely. Okay. Human life begins as one sperm with father's 23 chromosomes and the ovum with mother's 23 chromosomes unite at a point called fertilization. This is the beginning of a new, unique human being with their own DNA. The DNA information in this one cell, smaller than a pinpoint, could fill many encyclopedias. Wow. That's a good one. 
So I'll start with Psalm 139, 13. Uh, the psalmist wrote, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Okay, next, your turn. Okay, uh, anywhere I want? Yeah, anywhere you want. Pick the okay. favorite ones. Let's go to, being that first trimester abortions are some of the, that's the most, women choose abortion in the first trimester more than at any other time. So let's go to six to seven weeks pregnant. Okay. When the lips are stroked, baby responds by bending upper body to one side and making quick reflex movement. The cartilage of the skeleton is complete. Wow. Okay. Uh, let me find. Uh, so I'm going to go with this one in Matthew 120. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the child that is conceived that is in here, in her. So the, the, the angel identifies a human being. All right, yes. your, your turn. Okay, this is fun. Yeah, this, it? it's fun to make things up as you go with an expert. You know what's going on. <laughs> How about at nine weeks? Okay, let's do it. Nine weeks, sex hormones form. Estrogens and androgens. The baby will make a fist if its palm is stroked. Oh, I've oh my gosh, that's so awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna raise yours with Luke 144. I'm gonna prove it. For behold, this is this is uh, Elizabeth and Mary speaking. Uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And this is what happens. For behold, Elizabeth says, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt from my womb with joy. So the, a baby can't leap without legs, without emotion, right? So there's emotion, there's legs, there's a, a, a human uh, referred to as a human. All right, your turn. I love I love that Jim because it, you know they try to sell the they try to sell the lie that babies don't feel anything in the womb yeah and it's simply not true why do they think they put women to sleep when they're performing surgeries on them yeah when they're pregnant yeah Ugh, lies 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 I can't even go all right there. let's go to twelve weeks okay actually let's do eleven weeks all right the baby inhales and exhales fluid exercising the respiratory system nerves and muscles are becoming synchronized. Oh, fingerprints are present. Oh my gosh. Okay. Luke 2, 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, so Jesus is born, mm -hmm. he's going to be circumcised. He's eight days old, outside the womb, eight days. His name then called Jesus. Now listen, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So even before he was conceived, you know, the Bible says that God knows the stars and calls them by name. God knows the people and calls them by name before they were conceived. So that's a, a beautiful picture of life. Okay, your turn. Well, this is too fun. I know. We should make a board game. We could make money. <laughs> uh, let's do 12 weeks. Gosh, okay. I, I okay. one of them. Sex is clearly identifiable. Mm. Tooth buds are developing and taste buds are working. The baby's about three inches long and weighs about an ounce. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Hosea uh, obscure, but just, just forgive me on this one in Hosea. You're talking about the sex of the baby in Hosea one, three. So he Hosea went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. So she conceived and bore him a son that is linked together. And then 
in chapter 1, verse 6, she conceived and bore him a daughter. And then chapter 1, verse 8, she conceived and bore a son. So in all three instances, conception and born are coupled together. So you can you can so one could say, oh, conception and birth are different. Yeah, but it's coupled together in one verse. You see it three different times that the the gender of that child is coupled with the conception of that child. All right, your turn. Yeah, I love that. Well, before I say the next one, I want to say this really quickly for to educate your listeners. At that moment of conception, as we've mm-hmm. already proven now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a unique human being with their own DNA. Then they they become a fertilized egg. Then a zygote. Then they turn into um, a, a, a fetus and then they're born and they're an infant. Then they grow a little more. They're a toddler. Then they grow a little more. They're a preschooler. They grow a little more. They're teenagers, preteens to teenagers. Then they grow a little more and they're adults now going off to college, maybe getting married. And if they live long enough, Jim, they become senior citizens and then they die. Oh, I know where you're going. The only difference between that moment of conception and the time we die, whatever our age is, is growth and time. That's wow. it. Well, and the okay, scar- moving the scar- on. The scary part is if we if we continue to disvalue human life within the womb, at some point we're going to start taking our senior citizens. We've already degraded our senior citizens and we, yep. we've stripped away their dignity. We don't have the respect that we used to it's only a matter of time before we start euthanizing our adult senior citizens there's no question about so it that's only, totally okay. where we're headed they're already doing it in some places yeah Jim, all right doing. you got got one for me okay how about six months okay the baby because this is unfortunately i just had someone two women in my last retreat both had late-term abortions and one of them was six months pregnant oh, so when no. she had to look at this sheet which i as i said jim women and men have to look at this sheet. It starts from conception to nine months because we can't fully heal if we don't know what we're healing from. Yes. And if we don't heal and, and see the truth in front of us, the truth truly does set you free. Absolutely. And yes, you got to go through the pain of it, but we have to give dignity back to these children and yeah. acknowledge that they were human beings. So yep. that's why we do this. It's a tough exercise, but it's very profound and impactful. Yeah, All right, six it. months. One of the gals, when she got this through it, and well, many times, but this particular girl threw it in my face and was angry until she understood. And she said, All right, I'm going to trust that you know what you're doing and why you're mm-hmm. asking me to look at it. Six months, the baby opens and closes eyelids, can move their eyes and perceive light. The rapid eye movement indicates dreaming state when asleep. Wow. I wonder what they're dreaming about, Jim. Wow. Testing shows response to sound. Here's everything adults can at 10 decibels less. Permanent teeth buds form behind milk teeth. Accumulates fat under the skin. At six months, they're about 14 inches long and one and three quarters of a pound. Wow. And at this point, they can be born and we've had children live and they're perfectly healthy. Yep. Yep. Well, here's a obscure verse out of Job. Job 3, 3. Job is lamenting about his life and he says, let the day pre- perish on which I was born. And the night which said, quote, a boy is conceived. You gotta so, love the word of God. God, hey, it's all it's all over through the it's all over through. I got I got I got a couple more. So let's let's do okay. uh, let's do one more one more. All right, let's do two more. Okay, 
Okay. We're going to do the one at, hmm, trying to think of a, I had one at seven months. Let's, I had a woman come through that was seven months. Let's do that. And actually I had a father, one of the dads in my books was about six to seven months pregnant when his girlfriend that he drove her to have an abortion and he is traumatized. I don't know if you've read that story, Jim, but it'll, I read them all. I read the whole book. (laughs) That one's pretty tough. Yeah. Um, All right. At seven months, hair grows thicker. Baby has grown to fill the space available and legs are now in the fetal position. This baby boy or girl is getting ready to come out. Oh man! They're 16 inches long, about two and a half pounds. That's seven months. Wow. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to my go-to. My go-to is uh, Psalm 139, but I'm going to, I'm going to, my first quote was Psalm 139, 13, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb, but let's go with 15, 14, 15, 16. I will give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body and in your book, every day was written before one of them came to be. So that's my number one favorite verse on pro-life. My number two is coming, so you better be ready. Okay, here it is, nine months. Baby continues to mature in the ninth month. The baby is now 19 to 21 inches long and seven plus pounds. And mom and dad right now are getting ready. They're getting the room ready. They're painting the nursery and they're realizing there will soon be somebody else living in this house. And mom us. has the waddle going on because the baby's getting lower and lower. Or, and lower. or maybe in with since we were talking about adoption, Jim, maybe she's a woman who's about to give the most beautiful selfless gift yes. to a couple who cannot have children. My youngest daughter, Jim, just got married a year and a half ago and her and her husband just found out that they cannot have children. And so my daughter called me and said, mommy, do you think if another mom, because there's only been two in my career, if another mom calls you and says, Victoria, I want you to find the couple. I said, babe, I will tell her not only will I find you the couple, but I get to be their Mimi. Mm, That's awesome. Well, you know, we did confirm it that every year between one and 2 million babies in America are aborted. And every year in America, one to 2 million couples are looking to adopt a child. Yep. So, which leads me to my last verse, which is one of my favorite verses when it comes to pro-life. It is simply Jeremiah 1.5. And God says to Jeremiah, hey, Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Hold on. Getting hay fever in here, and I've appointed you as a prophet for the nations. So here's a little baby that God had consecrated, just like just like Jesus, just like John the Baptist. He's consecrated him even before he came out. So it's just a a beautiful picture of a God who knows us even before we're conceived. Certainly, in the moment we're conceived, God knows us, and we have. And you've proven uh, scientifically that this is a human being. So my hope for this podcast today, Victoria, was first that men and women listening would come to the conclusion that this child in utero, which should be the safest place on the planet, which sadly since 1960s has been, we've experienced a holocaust of mass murder, 
Yeah. But that these people would people listening would realize that this is a life. This is a life. And as Christians and specifically Christian men, and Victoria said it earlier, guys, you are called to protect life mm-hmm. at all costs. So 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 here are here we have guys listening, right? And there are guys right now that are um ashamed, they're uh depressed, they're in despair for whatever reason. They were a father who allowed or didn't allow, or were the they were the sperm donor on a situation where this uh, mother had an abortion and you work with these broken guys. Can you tell us a little bit about what you say to these guys? What can you say to our men right now who are listening, who are going, man, I am it's Thanksgiving. And this brings up trauma from that, that day. How do you help these guys? First thing I say to them is you matter Hmm. and what you're feeling matters. And I apologize to you on behalf of what this country has done to men and told you that it isn't your business. It's not your right because it's a lie. I would say to you, those feelings that you're feeling inside of, I should have done more are normal because you should have. And those feelings that you're feeling of, is there nothing that I can do? Um, isn't, it's, it's simply not true. So I would tell you that because I the men that I've met, Jim, they haven't told anyone, mm. if anyone, wow. about their past abortions. Um, and I would say find someone you truly trust to, to share that with them. Make yes. sure it's the right person because the last thing I'd want to see happen to you is for you to go back into a shell after you're trying to come out. Um, I would say to you that your life matters. Your mm. child's life mattered. And the reason that I have dedicated my life to doing what I do, Jim, is because I refuse to let my baby die in vain. And I know that because my baby died, I'll never know how many children are alive today Mm -hmm. because of the women who've chosen life that have heard my story, whether it was online, whether it was at a church I spoke at or conference, whatever. I, I will never know. But I refuse to not give dignity back to my baby. Mm-hmm. So what I would say to you men is you can make a difference. I think you're the missing link. Yep. I am convinced. I'm convinced, Jim, that the abortion industry has tried to shut men up, men up because they know if people, if the men start realizing, wait, what do you, I don't need to shut up and stay in the corner. Their gig is up. And they know that men could be the answer to diminishing, if not making abortion unthinkable. There will always be those women and men, unfortunately, that are going to use abortion as birth control. And yep. we got to pray for them because they're lost and they're blind and they're, they've been give, taken over by the enemy. Absolutely. But the majority of people I've met, Jim, they chose abortion out of desperation. Mm-hmm. They chose abortion because they thought they had no other choice. Um, men kept their mouth shut because they thought that's what they're supposed to do. And I have no right because she's right. It's not my body. But now they're starting to educate themselves and listen to people like this conversation and realize I should have fought. And then there's those men that tell me I want to fight Vic, but what's the use in this country? Mm. They're going to let her choose. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, but you need to know you did everything possible to save your child's life. And if she still walks in that abortion clinic, as devastating as it will still be, you will know I did all I could. But if you keep your mouth shut, you didn't. 
I would say to those men who've already had abortions in their past, reach out to someone like me. Um, we'll get you the help you need. I work with other men who are post-abortive that do the counseling parts. I'm getting ready and working on my very first in-person men's retreat mm. for 2023. So get in touch with me because space will be limited. And I already have a list of men ready. We're just doing all the particulars right now. So I would say get in touch with me. Go to reassemblelife.com. Email me through there, victoria at reassemblelife.com. But the thing I want you to leave with is this. You are not alone. Don't buy into the lie that you're the only man on the planet who's feeling the guilt and the shame and the heartbreak. I saw a guy a few weeks ago, Jim, he's 59. And he said, um, you know, Vic, I have only one regret in my life, the greatest regret of my life. And I said, what was it? He said, it was when I let my wife kill our baby. Mm. Because I thought I had no I had no rights to say anything. We were married and she was in law oh, school and wasn't wow. going to give up her law degree for to have a child. He said, and I sat back and said nothing. He's never had children. He never will. He has no, his parents are gone. He has no siblings. He said, I have no legacy to leave. And it was all because I kept my mouth shut. You've got to tell these young men, open your mouth and fight, mm -hmm. do the right thing. And as I said earlier, Jim, you know, men get a bad rap that it's, you know, men are all, it's all their fault. They're sleeping around. And yes, there are those men and there are Christian men. Look, I'm a single Christian woman. And I can tell you, Jim, I go out with Christian men and I'm blown away by the things coming out of their mouth, wondering what Bible they're reading. And I'm blown away to the fact where I'm willing to pay the check just to get out of there. So men that are, if you say you're a Christian, that doesn't mean we're perfect. I pick up my cross daily, but my gosh, can you at least pray through that and do at least that one thing right by respecting women? And if you're sleeping around to make yourself feel better, go talk to who you need to talk to, get some therapy, go to your pastor. That isn't helping things for your side to look good because that is the that is um, the mentality that women have about men, Jim. I'm just yeah. being honest. Oh, they don't yeah. care. They All they want to do is get in your pants. They'll say whatever that you want to hear to get in your pants and sleep with you. And then they take off if you're pregnant or they decide, eh, I don't want to be with you anymore. And, and I tell women, well, how about you make the decision before you go in the bedroom with them? So you can't put it all on them. Yeah. But we're talking to men. So I would say men, rise up, man. Yep. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing to be the man God called you to be. So if you're post-abortive, reach out, get in touch. There's help for you. You don't have to live with this guilt and this shame and this heartbreak the rest of your life. Do we ever forget? No, of course not. We don't ever forget our aborted children, but we can leave, lead productive lives and help somebody else not make the same choice. And I'm convinced, Jim, and I'll leave it this for your next question. I am convinced abortion recovery is the backdoor approach to making abortion unthinkable. Healed people cannot keep their mouth shut. Yep. It doesn't mean you'll be on a platform like me, so don't freak out or traveling and speaking like I do. But that neighbor may come to you, that coworker, that family member, your son, your daughter, and you can share your truth with them because your mouth won't be covered with the tape of shame once you're healed. The tape of shame. That's really good. Well, there's a lot. You said a lot there, and I'll, I'm going to conclude with this, that I, I agree, men... Men, we are the problem, but biblically, we are the solution. Guys, yes. if, if you are a Christian man who 
isn't deeply devoted to the Bible, you need to go check out my series. It's going live right now, six weeks in a row of why you can trust the Bible. I take a scholarly approach. There will be no doubt in your mind that the Bible is the word of God. So guys, make sure you list this because guys, just as we're the problem, we are the solution because when a man gets it, everyone wins. You need to get this, guys. It's so, so important. So, Victoria, you said that guys can hit you up at Victoria at ReassembleLife.com. Yes, ReassembleLife.com. Okay, Re- yep. okay so so here's, here's a, I just, I've got to say this because I always have the guy or the gal in the audience who says, you know what? What about abortion and rape? Or what about rape? What about a rape and incest? What do you think about abortion then? So I know you've had that question asked a million times. Can you just for the sake of repetition, can you tell us why you are pro-life even in cases of rape and incest? In my 20, almost 27 year career, Jim, I've counseled a lot of people. I've had two women who were raped and became pregnant. And rape is horrific. And the man who commits this act should be put away for life. I have no sympathy. Yep. Cut the thing off. Do whatever. I have no sympathy for a rapist. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But these two women who became pregnant, one chose abortion. And she sat in my office and said, everyone said, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You're not going to be want to be reminded of the rapist and what happened to you. And so she did. Then years later, when she saw me. She said, Victoria, when I realized that baby was not just my rapist baby, I felt that I had more trauma brought upon me on top of the rape. And so now she had to deal with not just the rape, but the trauma of abortion. The second woman woman who was raped and, and became pregnant placed her son up for adoption. And she said, I have never regretted giving birth Mm. to my son. I took this beautiful baby boy and God turned something that was the most ugliest thing that happened to me into something beautiful by handing this little boy to this family. So I would say some rapists get away with rape and the child's supposed to pay with its life because of the sins of its father. The child is not just the or the rapist child the child is also that woman's child and i have friends i have one friend stephenson holland he's another guy you need to you need to meet who his mother was mentally handicapped and raped by five men she's white five black men raped her they never found them and they tried to make her have an abortion even in her state she refused so they, this boy was put up for adoption. It's my, my friend, Stephenson. He's one of the most awesome Christian men you'd ever meet. And he is so thankful that mm. his mother chose life. So there are wow. many, many, many people who were conceived of rape. What pisses me off, if I may say that word, Jim, about when people talk about aborting children who are, are not perfect, which is relative, by the way. They're all perfect. They're made in the image of God. But you ask, well, if this baby has, I heard someone recently say, well, if there's got a cleft palate, if they're Down syndrome, how dare you? Or if they're a victim, if they're a child of rape, why don't you look in the eyes of some of these incredible people that I've met who are victims, who were born from rape or who have a disability, as you would call it, and you tell them they should have been killed. How dare you decide whose life is more valuable? Mm, So rape is not ever 
a reason for abortion, not ever. Well, and I, I, anyone can, can, we'll go to the mat with it. We can take it outside. Every life is valuable, no matter how they were conceived. Well, and scientifically, uh, many rape cases don't end in pregnancy because it's such a violent act. A lot of times the man doesn't even orgasm. So there, there's a whole statistic about rape that's just uh, unbelievable. Can, can I address that, Jim? Yes, because please you're do. Absolutely right. The abortion industry has pushed this narrative down the throats of people, knowing it's not true, because less than 1% of women who are raped become pregnant. I believe it has something to do with our body just shuts down. I mean, you're yeah. having something very traumatic happen. And there is a lot of things that have to be taking place for a pregnancy to occur. Yes. So it's actually very, very rare to become pregnant from a rape. Yes, it's happened. But what I say to women is, my gosh, if you're pregnant, God, let's let's make sure he pays. He needs to be prosecuted to the fullest. Uh, um, uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And let's get you the help you need. But my gosh, do you know how rare it is to become pregnant? Mm -hmm. There must be some big plans for this baby. So it, it isn't just the children. I don't want people to think, oh, you just want everybody having babies and who's going to take care of them. That's the other thing I get. Well, what are you doing for these babies? Okay. What are you doing when you want to come to me? I'm doing plenty. And so are pregnancy centers across the country. What are you doing? Put your money where your mouth is. But the other thing we cannot forget, Jen, and the whole purpose of this podcast was as Christians, we know when children are aborted, they are in the arms of Jesus immediately. Yep. But these mothers and fathers are the ones left behind to stay here and live with the ramifications of that choice. Mm. So if you really, truly care about people, you should care about all people, including yep. those parents. I had a gay guy say to me once, hey, Victoria, I know who you are. We were at a dinner with a bunch of people and he looked across the room at me and he says, I know all about you. I said, oh, really? What do you know about me? I know you're one of those pro-life people. And he said, you know, I'm gay. I said, I do now. <laughs> and he says, so uh, what do you think about me because I'm gay? I said, well, I don't understand your question. He said, well, well, you know, I, I know all about you. I said, really? Well, why don't you tell me what you think you know about me first? You're one of those people who's screaming at women, they're murderers. You're over there in front of abortion clinics, screaming at people to make them feel bad, telling them they're going to hell. And he gave that same, you know, stereotype. Thing. Yes. And I just sat there and let him go on and on and on while the people at, at the table, including one of my daughters, who was, oh, my God, what's my mother going to do? Um, I just waited and I just looked at him. And I said, you know, actually, you'd never see me doing any of those things you just described. But the media has made you think that's the kind of person that I am. See, I help women even if they choose to have an abortion. I don't judge and condemn them. I want to help them. I don't want them walking around for 10 years like I did with the guilt and shame that I lived with, with getting involved in relationships with men who were abusive because I thought I deserved it. I want her to get help right away. He said, okay, well then tell me what you think about me being gay. I said, why don't you tell me what you think I think about you being gay? Because mm -hmm. you probably think I'm one of those gay men who's in these pride parades or that I'm making a baker who's a Christian make me a cake for my wedding or that I'm screaming at people and shoving down their throat my lifestyle. And I just went, well, not necessarily if you're telling. He said, well, that's nothing like how I am, Victoria. He said, me and everyone I hang around with, including my partner that I've been with for eight years, we just want to be left alone. 
but all people think we're all that way. And I said, well, that's interesting, isn't it? He goes, how so? What's the one thing that's made you think I'm one way and you think has made me think you're one way? Mm -hmm. He said, the media. Yep. I said, exactly. If we would all just start having conversations. Yep. And just having civil, respectful conversations and bring the truth to the table, we'd all be a lot better off when we walked away. Yep, that guy's still a friend to this day. And he told me re when I talked to him recently, he said, I tell all my gay friends about our conversation. I said, you do? What do they say? He said, they're like, their mouth drops. They're like, really? That is so cool. That's so not like what we see on in the media. <laughs> it isn't. What? I, oh, yeah. Well, hey, I know. I, I, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll end with a story. So I know this lady who got pregnant, who contracted the German measles from her oldest son while she was pregnant. She went to her OBGYN who said, you should probably get an abortion. This baby's going to be born with mental, physical handicaps uh, through some praying uh, in-laws. She delivered this baby and the baby was healthy. And I'm really glad that's my brother. So, you know, you never know. And he's pretty darn normal, normal for a Portuguese Italian guy. Uh, he's pretty normal uh, for oh uh, rainbows. That, he's pretty there, normal for rainbows. Oh but my I gosh, mean, Jim, there's so many stories like that. So I've heard many that stories. Beautiful. My, my daughter's, one of her best friends just had a baby today and they told her to abort back months ago. She said, there's absolutely no chance. He, the doctor said he's going to be born and he's going to live a few minutes. He's thriving. Yeah. You know, so praise God. God is still in the business of working miracles. And no matter what, no matter what the doctors tell you, yeah. no matter what situation you think you're in, you don't want to live with an abortion. You don't yeah. want to live with it. And it's something that, as I said, people like me, we learn to live with it and we can, we can be very successful and we can do the things God calls us to do. And he can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it into good as he's, yep. as he's done with my life. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't wish being a post-abortive woman or man on anyone. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of that, so tell me about this abortion pill reversal process that has already proven successful in saving thousands of unborn children. You talked about it earlier. How do you have the number memorized that they can reach? I don't, I, but if okay. you go to it, it's abortionpillreversal.com. There is an 800 number there. Um, I always have to look it up. Well, I, I have it. I have it. So it's one eight eight seven seven five five eight zero three three three, And we're going to include it in the show notes. And you can also visit care.net. Right. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. You can also visit care-net.org slash find a pregnancy center slash and you can locate the nearest center near you. You yes, can also I call you can also call 800. I'm sorry. You can also call 1-800. Oh, I messed it up again. Oh, my gosh. You can also call 877-791-5475 and you can find a location near you as well. Any other places or people they can reach out to besides you, Victoria? Oh my gosh, those are the best places. Pregnancy Resource Centers deserve so much credit, Jim, for what they're doing. I was a CEO of Pregnancy Centers for 24 of my 27-year career. So I've just come out of that and went in full-time abortion recovery care. But I'm telling you, these pregnancy centers... 
support your local pregnancy center with donations, with diapers, with financial resources. They need it. They're on the front lines. They're giving women options. If they walk into an abortion clinic, they get one option. That's it. They walk into a pregnancy resource center. They're met with love and compassion, and they're answering their questions about everything. And they're there for them if they leave and choose abortion. So please support your local pregnancy resource centers. They, I cannot say enough about them. It was a pregnancy resource center that took me through abortion recovery wow. and they literally saved my life. Well, I appreciate that. And also there is a 24 seven hotline that a man can call to get help as well. We'll include that in the show notes as well. So Victoria, tell me about this retreat. How could men sign up for this? Where can they get a hold of your resources? They would need to go and reach out through, through my website again, reassemblelife.com or email me, victoria at reassemblelife.com. Let me know they're interested in the next retreat. I don't have the dates yet. It's more than likely looking like it's going to be here in the Nashville area. I have a very large cabin that has been donated to me to use. It's got the deer things on like yours. So the guys will love that. <laughs> it's Speaking the language, manly. I, I might go, I, I might go even just to be in the cabin. Let me tell you something. You, sh I always have at least one man who's not had an abortion in his past. The same as in my women's retreats. And the reason that is, Jim, is because a lot of these people went to their church or went to their pastor who yeah. didn't know how to handle it. And that person represents how the church should have served them. So mm. I, that's a requirement. So keep that in mind. I always have at least one man there to help serve the men that has not had an abortion, but has a love for these men. So the place is gorgeous. It's out on like 50 acres. Nobody can, it's just trust me, guys. Space is limited. If you want to get in on the first men's retreat, the first overnighter, and, and I will tell you, I'm not staying. The reason I'm getting ready to do my first men's retreat rather than counseling, because I have other men that counsel with me, is because I thought I can't do an overnight retreat. I'm a single woman. I'm not yeah, staying with these yeah. guys for yep. a lot, from Thursday to Sunday. Two pastors said, Victoria, you're missing it. You have to conduct, you have to lead the sessions at these retreats because you represent the women they hurt. Yes. And I yep. said, pastor, I can't spend the night with th these guys. He said, of course you can't. You can stay off campus, yep. but you can be there every morning to lead the sessions. So that's what I'll be doing. I'll be there leading the sessions with my, my co-facilitators who are very trained as well, and they will stay overnight with the men. So please get in touch with me. I am so excited. I think this will be the first of many um, rich overnight retreats. And um, we'll have some cool stuff for the guys to do. Whatever it is you guys like to shoot things, I guess. I mean, I, I'll do what I can. You're in, you're in, you're in tennis, Tennessee, right? I mean, I that, am right outside. Isn't that, right isn't outside that where the gun, that's where the gun was invented. Anyway. You know, the thing is, you guys like to do things different than us girls. I'm a girly girl and I'm happy to be one. And, you know, I like being a woman and, you know, I like it. And I love the fact, the thought of, of a godly, strong man. Um, and so do most women, guys. Don't be afraid to be a man's man. That's what we Christian women want. And people will tell me, you're just such a strong woman, Vic. It's, I said, yeah, I am, but I'm just a girl. I'm just a girl inside. And, um, you know, will you intimidate men? Whatever. Then they're not my guy because they're little, they're oh. that wussy. They're intimidated by me. <laughs> they're not my guy. The stronger the man, the, the stronger man, the guys, woman. Men. <laughs> the stronger the man, the stronger the woman, the stronger the woman, the stronger the man. We need strong right. women. We need strong men. We're tired of weak women 
who are spreading their legs for anybody. We're tired of weak men who are trying to get women's legs spread. We want people to follow what God says in his word and become their best version. So guys, hey, your boots on the ground this week is super simple. I just want every Bible-believing person listening to today to become proactive in this fight for life. We just need to, we need to talk to people in our churches. We need to realize and believe and get on the platform that life begins at conception. So Victoria, thanks so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. What a unique and cool experience, man. I'm really excited about your ministry. God bless. And thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Hey guys, guys, as you know, our man laws are supplied by you our heroes, our champions. This week's Man Law was contributed on our closed Facebook forum for men by a guy named Tim Hudson. So Tim wrote in and he said, you have broken a man law if you admit you are lost and ask for directions. Men never admit they're lost and ask for directions. You're simply delayed as a man. I thought that was awesome. So the life rule here, guys, here's the life rule that goes along with it. Know where you are going before you get there. Those you love depend on it. Guys, this man law and 99 others are going to be in my book, Man Laws, 100 Ways to Have Your Man Card Revoked and Rules to Live By. It'll be a free resource for you. It should go up sometime in the next month or two. And and guys, when it goes up, make sure you head over to our website and get that free download. Guys, make sure you also head over to meninthereader.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. We're pulling this one down in the next month or two, so get it while you can, guys. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out and be a man. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.